by doing a Germanic reading of some text Tony sent me while watching today's film, Genius. This was Friday night at 8.49 p.m. This might be our worst, best, longest, or shortest podcast. Please take notes. I'm going to lose it. An hour in, I'm calling it quits and resuming tomorrow. Care to uh, speak on that? I think you were, you sounded too excited as you read those back, personally. If, I, th- I thought it was real funny. I, I noticed some weakness in you for once. <laughs> for once? For once, yeah. Pretty good record for me. I know, you put, you put up this facade as, as this bully to me. But I, I got you, I found your kryptonite, and it's the film Genius on D- Disney Channel. I don't know how it's not everybody's kryptonite. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Because, oh boy, was this a difficult movie to watch. Yeah, I think we're in it for a journey today, honestly. Well, I'm ready for it. Let's get into it? Not yet. Not yet? I think we have a few things to cover. Oh, go, go through it, man. First off, I'm Anthony. I'm Ethan. And second off, I want to I wanna address something that we brought up in last week's episode. Oh man, I have not listened to it yet, and you haven't told me, so I'm scared. I talked about my school having a ski team. Yeah. And and I talked to my sister, and she said there was a ski team at the high school where they skied at Mountain Creek. If you don't know what Mountain Creek is, it's also known as Action Park. Oh my. Which is also known as Class Action Park. <laughs> I always forget that I I've been to Action Park, but it was much more it was more known as Mountain Creek for me. Was it the second version of Action Park that you went to? Yeah, yeah. So the the one where they reopened it after they like had the clothes. Right. And I don't think it was much better. <laughs> that explains a lot. But yeah, so that's a fun little tidbit. Um, depends on who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you weren't on the skiing team, so I think everything was okay with you. We might, we might need to ask the people who were actually on the team if they, uh, they had any issues. Yeah, I, I hope not, but it was, uh, it's, a, it's a weird place, that, so, you know. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, um, I think I'm ready to get into this movie. Uh, I do want to say that um, the Eagles are losers. Okay, I think that's enough about that. So, Genius premiered on August 21st, 1999 on the Disney Channel. And I'm excited to announce that this was the first DCOM I was alive for. Isn't that something? I wouldn't have advertised that. It's, It's sad, but it's the truth. Well, you gotta wonder, does it get any better for DCOMs once... Is Ethan being born the mark of DCOMs taking a turn for the worse? Yeah, does it go like... You, you, you know the graphs that go like up, 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 and then at a certain point it goes sharp down. Is right. it the Ethan decline of 1999? Right. I, I do want... I feel like it'll be fun to kind of like categorize them all by the end or throughout. Maybe we'll have an episode at one point where we kind of do a small breakdown of the eras, but um, this very well could be known as the Ethan decline. <laughs> I, don't, I 
don't know if I want to spearhead that campaign, but if it's the truth, I'll have to, I'll have to go along with it. I don't like to lie. I, however, uh, am not born for this movie, so I I make no claim to its awfulness. You are not part of the decline yet. You might add on to it, but we'll see. Yeah, but you're clearly going to be the turning point. <laughs> I was the catalyst for the movement. I started a revolution with decoms. And a bad one. Yeah, I didn't say the revolution was good. I just said it was a revolution. <laughs> <laughs> this will also be a fun podcast because your power has flickered on and off twice before we started. I mean, I think it's certainly telling that for this movie, there's going to be some issues just in the world itself. I think it's the genius effect, honestly. Is your, tell me, is your podcast recording room below an ice rink? It's not a below, below an ice rink, but it is below ground. It is in the basement. So I think we could run into some issues. I don't have a particle accelerator down here, though. We'll look into that. But first... Let's get through this movie as fast as possible. Let's do it. Okay. So we open this movie to Charlie Boyle, not from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but um, he's practicing some hockey when his dad comes in. Uh, he's at an ice rink right now. His dad tells him to get off the ice as he's got a Zamboni the ice. But Charlie says that he's got this, and he puts down a invention he made that automatically cleans the ice here. And then Charlie's like, I got to leave because I'm going to go play some street hockey, maybe. Interesting scene to start off. You're instantly, instantly introduced to the idea that the main character is a nerd. Yeah, uh, as soon as I start, I'm like, oh, we're gonna have another, I guess, protagonist who is a absolute nerd, and I think he might be the worst nerd. one. Nerd. Like I hate, I hate calling people nerds because like smart people deserve rights, of course. Right. This guy's unbearable. Unbearable. And all the ones that we've called nerds throughout this, I feel like are pretty annoying. Yeah, like, I, I don't know if they'll get better at this, but all the DCOMs right now have unlikable nerds that I guess we're supposed to like. It's supposed to be relatable, but I can't relate to being a nerd. I can relate to, like, maybe one or two things, but I'm like, I wasn't even this bad. <laughs> and that's saying something. Can we talk about his mini Zamboni that he makes here? I wouldn't call it a mini Zamboni, but you can talk about it. It's not practical. Have you ever seen a Zamboni? It's twice the size of a car for a reason. I would love to own a Zamboni. That's just something I wanted to bring up. Maybe we'll look into that. Yeah, purchase one for the pod. We'll get like a nice, nice uh, unofficial decom wrap to put around it. We can make it a business expense, and it'll be tax deductible. I love that. Ooh. We're businessmen here. Yeah. I, I think the thing with this movie is they do a lot of explanations about these, these science things or these inventions. They just use a bunch of science terms, and they just assume that nobody will care, and nobody will understand it, so they'll just agree with it. So I think you're thinking a little bit too much about how this invention works. Probably. So, uh, Charlie then goes to street hockey, where he tries to play, but the people playing won't let him play because he is an absolute nerd. But he then shows him a special putt. 
that he uh, that he made that works on concrete. Um, so they're like, okay, fine, whatever, you can play. But then he starts talking nerd, and the guy who's playing is like, go sit on the curb. We'll call you in whenever. So Charlie goes sit down. Uh, he tries to hit up a girl, scares her away, and then he leaves the ice rink as nobody else is there at the end. The guy that he's talking to has no enthusiasm in his voice. No one told him, hey, act. They were just like, we're going to hold up a cue card, and you just read it. Emotion, no emotion, up to you. I, th- I think we had this issue with, I believe, the 13th year, with people trying to be mean to other characters or, like, be a bully, and them not being intimidating one bit. That was Smart House. That was Smart House? Yeah. I mean, they all, they all kind of blend into one, but the point they still do. stands. We Early on, we have a lot of these bullies who I could bully. And that's saying something once again. Also, um, because I pay attention to tiny details in these movies, <laughs> Charlie's not wearing the same rollerblades that his dad gets mad at him for bringing into the ice rink. Yeah, that's something I definitely didn't notice. But. <laughs> they are not in the same rollerblades. <laughs> I mean, I expect nothing less. Um, but if since you brought up the rollerblades, I want to bring up it's another Brink reference to Decomp. Makes me happy that we're keeping this going. It's true. We're as just long as possible. Everyone. Yep. <laughs> They're like Brink is one of the best we've made so far. We're gonna keep you reminding you about that. So uh, after that street hockey game, we go to Charlie's house where he's working on a science thing with his hockey stick. Uh, His dad comes in and informs him that a bunch of colleges he's been accepted to. He's been accepted to a bunch of Ivy Leagues and prestigious universities uh, five years early because he's a genius. Uh, Of course, that's the title of the movie. Uh, Charlie decides that he doesn't want to go to any of these prestigious uh, universities. He wants to go to the Northern University of Wisconsin because a scientist that he likes, whose name is Dr. Crickstein, works there, and he is close to discovering how to manipulate gravity. Plus, the lab is under the hockey rink, and Charlie likes hockey, so it's perfect for him. Okay, right, yeah, see, this is why kids aren't allowed to make decisions. <laughs> I took it as, um, they couldn't afford to film at one of the prestigious universities, so they're like, oh, we're just gonna go to a one in Wisconsin, we can afford that one to film on location. They didn't go to one in Wisconsin. Spoiler alert, this movie is filmed in Canada. As you can tell by the Canadian flag hanging up in the ice rink in the next scene. Didn't notice that either, but... But yeah, yeah, no, this is why kids aren't allowed to make decisions. Yeah, no. His dad, we watch his dad throw away a Harvard acceptance letter. A full ride. A full ride, they're all full rides. Northern University, he also has to teach classes at. I have an issue with that later, but we'll get to that. I probably have the same issue as you. (laughs) Because it's an issue everybody should have. (laughs) Uh, Do you want to talk about any of these actors right now, or do you want to wait? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm so scarce on what I have for these actors. (laughs) Uh, Just a fun tidbit on Charlie. He's played by Trevor Morgan, who is the other son from the Patriot. In Xenon, we talked about Greg, who is the son in the Patriot, who is one of the sons in the Patriot, and he is the other one. I think that there's one more. Me, but... I'm just okay. saying there's one more. Maybe he'll show up. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't look. We'll see. 
yeah, that's all I have. Here. All right, cool, cool. All right. So we then go to the uh, Northern Wisconsin University where uh, Charlie makes his way to the hockey rink where the hockey team is practicing. But we learn that the team hates Dr. Christine because they have to share the building with him. His lab, as uh, Tony said before, is under the hockey rink. And that the only reason Dr. Christine is still here is because they now have a boy genius working with them. What? How much time has passed? Um, I didn't think about that. If we were talking real life, probably about six to eight months, maybe. Right, because not only is he playing street hockey, and it's cold enough for that to work. Um, oh yes, you don't really, it doesn't really need to be, but they were dressed as if it's cold out. Yeah, I just assumed Canada, or Wisconsin was frozen all the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, because in, in 1999, global warming wasn't a thing yet. I think. Al Gore was probably into it. Probably. Um, yeah, no, it just feels like a lot of time might have passed or might not have passed, and they gave you no indication because his parents just drop him off at college, and you, you don't even see them in this. No, no, you also, get the, uh, yeah. Also, his no. mom is completely, his mom is completely ignored in this movie. She gets one line from off camera, which is probably a PA, <laughs> and then they go on with, with their. And that line is uh, to disparage one of her uh, meals, I believe. It's so. not even relevant, yeah. No, yeah. Um, what I wanted to bring up here is the hockey team is talking about this dirty move that their rivals, the Rumsen Rack, uh, that Rumsen pulls off. And to explain this to the new players on the team, they completely destroy the other player. I don't think that's a great move because it seems like the game is coming up and you don't want to injure your own players, but I'm not a hockey guy, I guess. There's a lot of confusion here where it's just like, it's another one of those like, all right, how do we spoon feed as much information as possible and ignore any sense of reality in the process so they go all right so we'll have the first practice of the year start off by the coach going all right this year i want to beat rumson and they have a their play called the rumson rack which side note i think i saw jalen ringer got hit with the rumson rack in today's game. I think he did. Also, Rums and Rags, just a dope name. Depends on who you ask. But also, <laughs> like, it's so spoon-fed of just, like, here is the information. Where all, you don't need to know about any concept of hockey other than the Rums and Rags. You don't even know, need to know about this team. We're not going to tell you the team name. You have to read it off of the sign behind them. I don't know how many games get played in this movie, like, over the course of this time in this movie. Because they, they do make it seem like the Rumsen, uh, what's this team's name? Because I didn't catch it. The Rumsen Racks. No, the, uh, no, the, uh, oh, there's the a, Northern team. There's the Northern Lights. That's, That's a cool name. That's yeah, I know. That's solid. Um, it, they make, they announce at the Northern Lights versus Rumsen game that it's a sort of championship game. So you got to assume other games were played. They say championship a lot there. That's the later issue. Yeah. All right. 
So here, Charlie's trying to hide because he's like, oh no, they hate me already. Uh, but instead, the dean of the school comes in and loudly introduces Charlie to the entire team. And the dean says that if the hockey team loses against Rumson, they're done uh, and the coach will lose his job. So the hockey team basically threatens to kill this uh, 12-year-old kid. Uh, yeah, no, they're not happy with the concept of flickering lights, and I'd back them up. <laughs> this kid's a nerd. Maybe a don't nerd. kill him. Don't kill him, but bully him. Yeah, they did that thing where you uh, put the thumb up to the neck and go like, like, I'm gonna slice it, and I'm like, that, that's a young kid. I don't, maybe don't do that since you're college students. He's also in the room. Well, I don't think we pointed that out. He's listening into the whole practice right now. Yeah, I said he was hiding, but yeah, like the team can see him. Mm-hmm. So after that scene, the dean then takes Charlie to Crickstein's lab, where he is shown around by the doctor, and he sees that everything in this lab is old, and that the whole uh, idea of a science lab under an ice rink is a terrible thing. And he's like, man, I really should have gone to a prestigious university. Uh, yeah, yeah. He regrets his decision pretty quickly, but once again, this is why kids shouldn't be allowed to make these decisions, because the second he realizes it might be slightly difficult to discover how to manipulate gravity, he's ready to back out. Yeah, but after that, he does try to convince himself that it's not as bad as not going to Harvard. Uh, so the so the doctor here is the best part of this movie. I disagree with that, but he's a better part than most people. Okay. And it'll be interesting to see what you think is the best part about this movie. It'll come up later. Right. Um, and may- you might be right. Oh, there's another thing that I'm kind of, I'm kind of pro in this movie, but the rest of it is pretty terrible. Um, do you recognize this actor? Uh, I did not at first, okay. and of course I had the Wikipedia open just right. in case the decom uh, forgets to tell me who these character names are so I can refer to them when I talk about them on the podcast. Uh, but I do know him. Do you want to talk about him a little bit? I hate... Oh, do, do you, know the act, you know the actor's name or you know... I don't know his name. I know what he did. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's less fun when you look it up. I'm sorry. I'll try not to. But um, then I find some things like somebody's on... An obscure TV show like Fairly Odd Parents or Glee. Yeah. The doctor here, whose name I don't remember, and I will exclusively refer to the rest of this podcast to as Roger Rabbit from Who Framed <laughs> Roger Rabbit. Did he do anything other than that? Yeah, yeah. He was on a Welcome Back, Connor, and and he was in. He was like, he's he's around. He does a lot of acting. Yeah, but Roger Rabbit. Roger big. Rabbit. <laughs> yeah. That's the one that matters the most, yeah. Right. Uh, so after um, Charlie kind of oh, figures uh, out that he... Oh, oh his name is Char- Charles Fleischer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so after Charlie yearns for Harvard and prestigious schools that aren't under a hockey rink, uh, he then goes off to see his roommate, who... Um, he tells the science, or the doctor that he called him Duda over the phone. So they're going to be good friends. But it turns oh, out... Oh, that was over the phone. 
Yeah, what'd you think? I thought he was like, yeah, I've already met my roommate. He says that, and then the doctor's like, have you met him yet? He's like, no, I just, he called me dude over the phone. That makes this scene make a lot more sense now. And I'm glad I could do be there for you. Thank you. Um, but it turns out the there are two roommates, and the two roommates for Charlie are the two hockey players who threatened to murder him earlier. And nobody here is happy. The two hockey players' names are uh, Mike's the important one, but there's also another hockey player named Dean. His name's not Dean. No. That hockey player, the other hockey player in that room, is Bear. Well, that's his nickname. His name is probably Dean. Oh, get out of here. We're calling him Bear. Trying to find Bear. Bear. <laughs> it's fine. He has like maybe three more lines in this movie. Yeah, I mean he's the he's the he's the uh, Farley Belushi, Jackie Gleason archetype of funny fat white guy in a college movie. Like, it's at, like, whatever you're picturing, you've nailed it. Yeah. yeah. And, and these are two 30-year-olds who are supposed to be dorming with a 15-year-old. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, uh, the actor situation of that's, like, weird if you're gonna put them in a dorm together, but if we're gonna talk in terms of the movie, why would you move the kid in who's five years ahead of his class in with real-life college students Specifically, college athletes who probably aren't the most understanding of the situation. It's also such a weird dorm room. It's humongous. There's no lock. It's just like a sliding door. I mean, it's big enough where Charlie can just honestly stay out of the way of everybody in his room. And I'm kind of jealous. Good on him. Well. Yeah. Wouldn't you have loved that luxury at really any point in your college career? Yeah, I don't like, I don't enjoy living with roommates, but that's besides the point. Um, what I do want to bring up is that Charlie moved his entire life into this storm with one hockey bag and one backpack. That's all. Kid doesn't Nothing have much. <laughs> explains a lot. So in the next scene, Charlie goes to, his, to teach his first class because that is um, part of his scholarship, apparently. But uh, here, Mike chucks something at the board and says that he's going to be the one to disrupt this class. Um, speaking as a college student myself, I understand that, like, Charlie is a genius here. I'm not taking that class seriously. Also, I'm paying for that class. That's not what I'm paying for. I'm not paying for this young kid to teach me. Right. That's, well, one, like, or whatever, but also, like, you should, like, there's no way I would take a child as my professor seriously, and the child can't take that job seriously. Imagine if he went to fail a student and was like, <laughs> he deserves an F. How can he, like, in his mind go, but how can I give him an F? With my, like, 12 years of life experience, this deserves an F. Exactly. So uh, after that scene in the classroom, we go back to Charlie's dorm, where we see him feel very lonely, and that's only heightened by a party being thrown outside. Uh, the next day, Charlie is in the lab again talking with Dr. Crickstein, or this is outside the lab. He's talking with Dr. Crickstein, where he tells him that he'll never be able to make friends in life. And then Crickstein's like, maybe you need to try something different, which is going to set this movie off. 
it honestly didn't feel powerful enough for it to really set in motion what is going to happen the rest of this way. Because it was such a throwaway line <laughs> to me. That it was the, like, the, oh, okay. The only reason why I knew it was an important line is because I read the description of the movie on, like, Disney+. Plus, and it's like, oh, he switches personalities. And I'm like, oh, that was not made clear. This was a foreshadowing moment. I'll be honest. I went through this whole movie and expect movie expecting this to be a Stefan or Kel style movie, and then to learn that it was just him pretending to be the <laughs> other guy and not him making some machine that turned him cooler threw me for a loop. That makes more sense for a decom. That makes more sense. I think this concept makes a better movie, but I don't think they made a good movie. I, that I, I, <laughs> I, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> uh, but after that conversation, Charlie goes back to the ice rink, and here he sees a girl figure skating. We learn that that girl's name is Claire, who's a little bit, like, weird herself. She's talking to herself in a British accent. Uh, she introduces herself to Charlie here, but this time, after remembering his past blunders, he decides to introduce himself as Chaz Anthony, a cool dude from Chicago. And he goes to the same high school as Claire does, apparently. Do you recognize this actor? I do not. How? Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> Haven't you ever seen the Dragon Ball Z movie? Absolutely not. Good for you. This is a very bad movie, I think. <laughs> She's Emmy Rossum. Doesn't mean she, anything to me. She's, she's a big actor. She was in, like, um... Day After Tomorrow, and Phantom of the Opera, but she's mostly in Shameless, mm -hmm. which is the TV show about a uh, family in Chicago. But, uh, uh, so some connection. Yeah. Yeah, no. Anybody who watches things can probably recognize her a lot easier than you. Is there anybody you recognize in this movie? Uh, I'm not going to say I recognized um, who, Roger Rabbit. But I know who he is. So I think it's a half and half thing here. Right. So I feel like your streak's over. Oh, no. Because you recognize someone every single episode. This is episode 10. Oh, we've made it to double digits. Double digits, baby. But I have... Ru oh, that's depressing. So this is your first movie. Well, I think I'm going to play this off with a fact about Emmy. Uh, she was nominated for uh, Best Performance in a TV Movie or Pilot for this movie. She did not win, but she was nominated. What? I have no clue. All right, well, you I, need to I, get I, me the winner of these awards if you're going to give me these nonsense <laughs> nominations next time. I only had this just in case you would have called me out about not knowing an actor. I had it planned. Uh, it didn't really impress me much. End of an era. It was a good run. Uh, so, after Chaz introduces himself, Claire says that she'll see him around at high school, and then the next scene, we see Charlie signing himself up for the high school she goes to, and then, um, I guess we see this transition between... Hold on, Char we gotta talk about, we gotta talk about this sign-up form. I, I wasn't done yet, I was... Oh, what? Wait, I was gonna, I was... Yeah, I was talking about the, um, like, he signs up for high school. Right. And then there's just one more thing here. Okay, okay, sorry. Hmm. Keep going. All right. Uh, 
Claire, so Claire at the end of that scene says she'll see Chaz around. And then we see Charlie signing himself for the high school uh, via computer. And then in this weird transition, I guess, that is between Charlie and Chaz, we see Charlie take off his regular glasses in repetitive fashion editing-wise. And then he puts on these cool black sunglasses in repetitive editing fashion. I, I didn't even notice it. It was terrible. I'm surprised you didn't notice it. Um, you know, I didn't notice that. But I, what I did notice is this registration form. Which just asks for his full name. And then it says his passing average, which is just 10 stars. And then next to that, it says his grade, which is also two stars. Is he in second grade? No, well, I assume it's blurred out for both, but I just, like... No, I mean, you were totally right about the form. It's, I think it's way more complicated. It's confusing the way you said it or the way they had it, but it's definitely more complicated to enroll yourself in high school. Right, there's no birth certificate. No address. Yeah, the birth certificate feels like step one, address is step two, and then, like, maybe a signature instead of a submit button. There's definitely more to it, but... Probably a phone call is involved. Yeah, like, at least talking with somebody at the school. But... Honestly, nothing's going to make sense in this movie, so why even try and Yeah, true. It's not going to stop Chaz Anthony here. So after we get the uh, sunglasses transition, we go to Chaz's first day at high school, where Chaz uh, shows up to class late because he can't see in his dark sunglasses inside. And then um, he proceeds to act cool, if that's what you want to call it. Can we talk about how he's dressed up as a vampire slayer? I was going to go early Matrix look. My other thought was um, the little vampire <laughs> from the Jonathan with Nikki movie. All right. Anybody that's cool will understand what I've Both yeah, references no. <laughs> I've made in this conversation. You've made, a lot of ref- yeah. <laughs> You've made a lot of references today, and I'm just... If you don't hear me respond, that means I'm nodding with my wide- eyes wide open, pretending like I know what I'm talking about. Um, the Matrix... Matrix look makes sense too. He just doesn't pull it off. He doesn't look cool. He regardless, doesn't, he doesn't pull. I think this is a good part point to talk about it. He doesn't pull this coolness off one bit. But yet, everybody reacts like he is the coolest person in the world. And yeah, it's because he's got some sort of confidence in it, in like just the way he talks. Because, like, he gets no more reaction that's like, wow, he's so cool, than, like, just, like, the slightly funny class class clown. You know, like... I mean, he gets some loud laughs when... Personally, I don't think he deserves them, but I I guess you're right with the, like, class clown, even if they have a little bit of confidence, they'll get some laughs. I've gotten some of the laughs that he's getting in... (laughs) when I was in school, but, um, and you listen to this podcast, and I'm not that funny, so. That's, that's true, that's true. 
Right. So, like, clearly, it's over the top, and and he just doesn't ooze cool. One I mean, day. He, he starts it off. He starts off his... He starts off the whole bit by getting stuck in the door. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't... It's not cool. Also, he could have just opened the doorknob right away instead of trying to keep pulling on the jacket that was stuck in the door, but that's besides the point. Right. Uh, so after that, he takes what he learned from Mike in uh, Charlie's class that he was teaching earlier, and he tells the teacher that he will be the one disrupting the class here. Um, we then go to the next class where he starts to show off some of his science knowledge accidentally, but he plays it off that he learned it from some geek he was bullying, of course. Oh, and then uh, after that class, we meet uh, two school kids named Odie and Dion, and we learn that, uh, or Charlie here says that he has an experiment to do, and the uh, the two bros are like, what? You have an experiment? What a nerd kind of thing to do. Chaz is like, it's an experiment to see how long I can last in school without being here, and then he leaves school. How was he getting between the school and the college. He's 13. He does not have a car. He doesn't have a bike. The best he has is roller or has is inline skates. We see how fast that goes. Right. Like, that's the quickest he can do, but we don't ever see him carrying them. So it's implied that he walks or runs everywhere? This, this came up for me later in the movie where, uh, Chaz runs out of school and the rest of the class from the high school is going to the college and Chaz runs from the high school to the college before the high school class can get there. Yeah, I have, very confused. I have a lot of problems with that scene too and we'll talk <laughs> about it when we get there. But it's an interesting question of how does he get to where he's going? Uh, I just want to say that uh, Dion just has is wearing extras wardrobe from Johnny Tsunami with his Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> they had some leftover, and they're like, "Oh, we need to dress up this kid. Just, just throw a Hawaiian shirt on him. It'll look normal." I can't even promise you that this was made by anyone who knew anything about Johnny Tsunami. You do have a point there. I, I mean. They're two different ends of the spectrum of TV movies. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to say, I, I thought it was interesting at first. I'm like, oh, this is a, our first like, college decom movie because uh, Charlie goes to college. But then, of course, we switched right back to a high school movie. And I right. thought that was interesting. Right. I saw, like, I saw Emmy Rossum in it, and I was like, oh. But, like, she's a kid also at this point. So it'll be interesting to see how she comes into play. It's like, oh, it's just him. It's Okay, he's also in junior high again. He's going yeah. to eighth grade and college. So right now, Charlie <laughs> is enrolled in eighth grade, enrolled in, as a freshman in college, is teaching in college and working at a lab in college. Trying to figure out how to manipulate gravity. Right. So he's got four things, you know? 
eighth grade, I went to school and I played Minecraft. Like, <laughs> I it wasn't that complex. And he's doing this all, and the way he gets around is running. Yeah. I think. We're going to assume that. I mean, I was on the bowling team in eighth grade, so I think we're on similar levels. We'll save that for the bowling movie. Sweet. Uh, in the next scene, we go back to the lab where uh, Dr. Grickstein asks about Chaz because uh, the doctor saw the uh, form for high school on the computer, and then Charlie says here that it doesn't matter. I'm just happy to have friends now. And then Crickstein's like, I'm fine with this, as long as you do your work. Because we, we see, like, Crickstein's not very socially adjusted as well. Well, Crickstein's just like, I don't care what you do. I'm not your father. He makes a good point there. Just, like, just show up and do your work. I mean, that's that's smart. And it's like a real-life lesson. Like, once you get to college, nobody's there to baby you. He's not even, like, there to baby you because he's gonna, like, have his back pretty consistently. He's just like, I don't care. <laughs> it's funny, so that's why I'm asking. You know, who I, I see that you enrolled in eighth grade, so this is a funny thing to talk about. But whatever <laughs> you do, I don't care, man. Get hit by a bus. Go rob a bank. Not my problem. But as long as you help me, as long as you help me discover how to manipulate gravity, we're fine. We're on that. We're on the same page. Uh. So after that scene, we then cut to Charlie in his uh, dorm room practicing how to uh, I guess act as a cool guy, and they're all terrible. Uh, but that's not the point of the scene. He then peeks out of his room into the party that the hockey players are having. And here, he overhears that Mike says that girls like bad boys. So that's what Chaz is going to become. He's going to become a bad boy. Uh, just to hop back real quick into the science lab, because I have this note down now, and I don't think I'll ever remember it. But <laughs> Their, the sound effect team thought the best sound effect for this science lab and this particle accelerator is just the car stalling noise, where you, like, try and turn the key and the car keeps stalling, played <laughs> every 30 seconds while they're in that room. I didn't notice that at all. It's bad. It's, it's consistently there. <laughs> I, I mean, if we're, if we're going at the Ethan level, he is the kid watching a decom. I didn't notice it, but I'm glad you did. Because that's what you're here for. Thank you. Happy uh, to be wanted. Uh, after that, the next day at school of high school, Chaz puts his bad boy plan to action as he rollerblades into class slate. And then he tells the, uh, two, the two bros that Honor Society girls, a.k.a. Claire, don't want Honor Society guys. And then after that, he pulls a prank in class by uh, pulling out the largest remote control in existence that the teacher does not see and proceeds to move this skeleton and make it dance, I think? There's a lot of confusing things about this scene. <laughs> Part one, they're talking about Claire behind Claire's back while one of them's sitting next to Claire, one of them is sitting directly behind Claire, and one is sitting two desks behind Claire. Then they 
and then he pulls out this RC car. Meanwhile, he has two jobs and goes to two schools. How does he create an RC car? Also, how does he keep getting to school? He just walks into science class late as if he could have left and not gone. To, we know there's a class he has before science. Yeah. And I, we never see them in that class again. We always see him walk in late to science class. I didn't go to school a lot, and people got worried. He just, he shows up halfway through classes, halfway through schools, and then immediately sprints out the building. It, it really seems like he didn't actually sign up for school because he's showing up whenever he wants to and nobody cares. Not one person, not one professor, not one friend, nobody. It's 1999. He probably didn't even need to sign up for the school to show up. And Yeah, they saw him. They're like, uh, what's your name? Chaz? Okay, cool. He'd probably be cooler if he never showed up to school and just hung out outside and waited for Claire. Honestly. That's cooler than, like, being annoying. And being a science nerd. Yeah, he's both. He's a science nerd, and it's clear. I mean, he sets up an RC controller. Is it? Is is RC just remote control? I think so. Is it like ATM machine? I'm gonna go with that. I I think we're right here. Oh. Yeah. So it's an RC remote, a remote control. No, it's an RC. Wait, remote control control. Control control. No. See, we're both. We- this doesn't matter. This doesn't matter. He's using a remote control to control the constel- the skeleton. Control, 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 control. Yeah, and then he, uh, and then it's kind of like, oh, oh, it could be a remote control. And then, like, we see the teacher move out of the way a little bit, and the skeleton starts, like, dancing <laughs> as if it was a pop-up animation on a 90s web browser. We gotta have that uh that clip art kind of thing going on again. Right. It's like it's worse than clip art, and it's more like someone spent like seven hours rendering this three second clip of the skeleton just dancing. It definitely seems like something I'd put in like a PowerPoint in sixth grade as like an ending slide, just like thanks for watching my presentation, and it's the skeleton dancing. <laughs> That's the vibe it gives off. Or, like, when it's, like, oh, Halloween project time, <laughs> and it's that, and then there's a little clipart, skele- clipart jack-o'-lantern with the light going on and off. Oh, classic. It's bad. This movie's bad. Let's keep going. Yeah. All right, so uh, the teacher finally stops him because he finally sees this big remote, and he's like, you shouldn't be using these power of sciences for evil. And you should know that kids your age could be geniuses, just like this one at Northern University. Uh, but that doesn't matter here. Uh, class ends, and then Claire asks uh, Chaz who helped him rig the skeleton. And Chaz is like, it was some loser in science club who helped me with that. And then Claire responds back that the science nerd won't be asking, would you like fries with that? Uh, like Chaz will. The hard shot. He swung at him, and he uh, didn't know how to take it. He took it. 
without responding. I think that's the best way you can respond to that because there's no coming back from that. Who would have known? The smart girl thinks she is an idiot. Uh, so after that, we go back to the class that Charlie teaches, and Mike is volunteered to write something on the board, and then he draw. But instead, he draws a. I'm going to say a pretty non-offensive-looking character caricature of Charlie, and then Charlie is hurt by this, and he runs out of his class to call his dad. Don't and, forget, he's uh, in tears. Uh, yeah, he's in tears, of course. Yeah, because he, he's, he's a, a loser. He's also a 13-year-old teaching a college class. One of the two. Yeah. Really um, up to the viewer's interpretation. Yeah. Uh, but after that, he calls his dad, and his dad's like, I really have no advice about uh, girls or your science, but maybe with your class, uh, you can either fail your students or you can make them get a tutor. And then Charlie's like, I love the tutor idea. And he hangs up, but we're going to see that tutor idea is not what his dad was implying. All right. Um, so I have a thing here. This is the point where I stopped watching the movie. <laughs> this was your I'm going to come back tomorrow? This was my, the skeleton scene was like the leaning force behind it. And then, and then his scene in the classroom where he teaches. And then the dad was just like, I don't really know how to help you. Peace out. I'm never going to be in this movie again. Uh, see you later. I called it quits for the night. I didn't think it was as bad. I, I mean, you definitely hyped it up to me that it was worse than it was. Like, it's still real bad. Right, I think that's on me. And I think I probably shouldn't have texted you as much as I did. And I didn't really text you any details. I was just like, this is bad. And I need you to take better notes than I'm going to take. Because I don't have good notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only note I had for this scene was, Mike's actually a pretty good artist. The uh, drawing of Charlie was, wasn't too bad, actually. I thought it was good, yeah. It was solid, yeah. <laughs> uh, so after that scene, we go back to the lab, where Charlie proudly announces that he got his first F in high school. And then uh, he immediately leaves the lab, because he's got something to do, apparently. Uh, we go to the high school cafeteria where Chaz goes to put the moves on to Claire, and he asks for Claire to be his tutor, and she's like, I'm not interested, but then she just changed her minds and like, uh, fine, I have a little bit of time where I can help you, I guess. He walks in, like, he walks into the underground lair, hangs up his F on the, on the wall walks out, and he's in the cafeteria hanging out. I think I've become desensitized to uh, not knowing, like, what time is in these movies, because I remember noticing it early on when we started this, uh, watching all these movies, but now it just doesn't cross my mind. Right, it's clearly, like, continuity is just not important when you're aiming, when your target audience is children. And I get that, but they messed up because they weren't expecting it. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Two dudes overanalyzing some decoms. I Overall, I mean, I don't know. I don't have any, like, how, why can he get a tuner now? Now he's got less time than he had. <laughs> 
at no point in this movie does he complain about like, oh no, it's so much running back and forth. Like he doesn't there's, complain about. It. He's just like, how do I get a girl to like me? That's his main issue. That that issue comes up later, and I'll I'll bring I'll bring it up. But uh, yeah, there's no Hannah Montana moment here where she's like, oh, this double life, or he's like, there's no double life. It's so stressful. Right. Right. There's no like, there's no like, oh, I don't know, dad. Sometimes it feels like I'm just not the same person when he's on the <laughs> phone with the dad. It's just all so like. Yeah. Let's go on, I think. So after she agrees to tutor him, we get a little montage of tutoring, including uh, them doing some computer thing that I cannot explain to you. It, it's unexplainable what happened Perfect. in the scene. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to ask you what you thought it meant, but right, I'm glad we don't understand. Uh, the next thing is them playing with a magnifying glass outside, unimportant. And then in the uh, last part of it, Chaz creepily sniffs Claire's hair, and nobody thinks anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's not much to say. Like, it... He is like... He, he didn't develop the ability to be around people any more than he had earlier. He just got worse eyesight and a better jacket. Yeah, that's basic. And he did his hair. And he put his hair up. So, after that scene, they go to Claire's house, where uh, Chaz gives Claire the new Backstreet Boy album as a thanks. And as the resident boy band expert of this podcast, I did some... Uh, snooping to see what the album that uh chaz gave claire it was not a backstreet boys album it was just an album with um white and maroon fuzz on the cover with no words okay. and i, I compare i cross-referenced it to some backstreet boys albums nope doesn't match they don't have a white album they i mean they they dress in white white's their main color scheme but white and maroon with no words Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I that's, thought it was important to bring up. <laughs> that's sad to hear. It is, but I don't know. I that's I thought that was important to me. Uh, after that, Claire mentions that her dad is the coach of the team that hates Charlie, uh, and she just calls him in, and this freaks Charlie out, and he decides to put on the golden hockey mask that is sitting there and runs out. And everybody's confused. Um, did you notice that he says museum like you say it? I did. I did. I love this representation in my movies. This is representation that matters. Can you please say museum so that everyone understands? Uh, museum. Right. So two people in the world say museum wrong. Do we know just this, one. Do we know where this actor is from? I believe he's from New York. Uh, everybody but like, everybody, everybody but like the main two actors are from. Uh, are from Canada. I guess the main three actors are from Canada. But I did he, pick up some Canadian yeah. accents. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that he's from New York. Okay. No, I don't know about New York. I in America. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Two different things, but okay. I don't know any other state but New York. <laughs> that's fine, that's fine. New York and New New York, and then Old York are the three states. <laughs> then there's the Empire State, and then there's the one in my mind. 
Thank you, uh, resident history expert, Tony, and geography expert. Right, no problem. Uh, so after he runs out, we go back to the lab where uh, Charlie and Christine are having issues finding the graviton, which is what they need to find to manipulate gravity, of course. So Charlie's like, uh, we need to stop. Let's have a little dance party. But during this, the alarm goes off, meaning that they isolated one of the gravitons. And because the music helped it, I don't know, there's some science explanation here. But after they discover the graviton, Charlie's like, I have to get the science class in high school that I'm not really enrolled to. And then he leaves. Graviton is very unobtainium. Like, uh, from the James Cameron Avatar movie. But Graviton's a real thing. Oh, okay. Which makes unobtainium slightly less ridiculous when you realize <laughs> someone was like, what should we call a gravity particle? And they went, Graviton. Genius. Genius. It's, I feel like this movie might be kind of scientifically accurate. I feel like it is. Like, I didn't, like, think too much about what they were saying science-wise, but at least from my mind, it sounded like they knew what they were talking about. Yeah, like, particle accelerators are a real thing. Graviton's a real thing. And those are the main two things scientifically <laughs> that they taught, that they focused on. Yeah, so, then they, they explain, like, Stuff about particles, splitting atoms, and stuff like that. Right. It sounds right. Mm -hmm. The visual stuff is much more flubber than it is uh, science, but <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that they kind of know what they're saying. So in the, uh, after that, we cut to the school where Chaz gets a C on his test, and he flexes this to Claire, and she's like, uh, of course, it's because of my tutoring. And then the teacher tells the class, that he has set up a field trip to Northern University so that the class, but mainly Chaz, can meet Charlie because Chaz has shown some science promise with the skeleton. Uh, but this, of course, sets off something in Chaz's mind because he obviously can't be in two places at once. So he runs back to the labs to tell Crickstein about the situation. And then here, Crickstein uh, mentions that there is a chemical that can turn you six shades of purple. And Charlie's like, this is a great idea. I will pretend I am hurt so I cannot speak at this assembly. All right. So one thing here is just a uh, fun thing that I noticed was the teacher just smacked the kid in the back of the head during the <laughs> science class, so that's always fun. Yeah. Um, the second thing is that... I don't think I have a second thing yet. No? Let's get through a little bit, and then I think I have a lot of things. Yeah, uh, only thing I was going to say is you need permission forms. You can't just do a same-day field trip. You can't just bust a bunch of kids over to a college. Might be a two-minute walk. You, you do have a point there, because uh, this is the scene where Charlie beats everybody over to the university he by walking. He sprints over to the university, and gets there fairly quickly so i don't even know and he also isn't out of breath when he gets there but no. whatever we've talked about this enough uh so uh i guess he ingests the chemical or something i don't really know um 
I think he just rubs the chemical on his face. Either way, it's dangerous. You shouldn't be putting chemicals on your face, especially when the doctor's like, uh, that could turn you six shades of purple. It doesn't sound like something you can just wipe off right away, but that's what Charlie does, whatever. Uh, but Charlie or Ch- yeah, Charlie here gets rolled onto stage in a wheelchair with a purple face, puts on a weird voice and says, I'm going to leave it to Crickstein. And so Charlie runs off stage. He wipes off this chemical and he turns into Chaz and he goes back out, sits in the house of the auditorium. And here is where the dean says that maybe since Charlie can't speak today, they'll reschedule the field trip. And Crickstein's like, no, no, no. Uh, we'll, we'll just finish this today. We'll get Charlie back out here. And then Charlie has to run back up, put the chemical back on his face. And here, Crickstein pushes Charlie in the wheelchair across the stage extremely fast. Charlie falls out of the wheelchair. Claire runs up to help him in a scene of chaos. Charlie hops back on the wheelchair. Crickstein rolls him out. And that's the end of the scene. I stopped taking notes on the scene before that part. My main issue here is, one, the purple paint comes off with ease. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. He's like, how do I get this off? And, and uh, Roger Rabbit just goes, uh, just use soap and water. <laughs> Which means there clearly wasn't ever a concern, so there was no reason for you to ever go, hey, whoa, don't touch that thing. It'll turn you purple. Yeah. The yeah. second thing is, he he runs into the bathroom, and then one of his friends walks into the bathroom and notices that he's there, and doesn't make any connection, despite purple being on his face, and they walk back. I thought he was going to find out, you know? That's, that's what made sense. He didn't have the full purple face because he was washing off, but he did still have purple, like, on the top of his forehead. Yeah. And then my third thing, and this is the big thing, he had zero reason to ever stop being Charlie in that scene. Yeah. Because... He already left that class. He sprinted out of that class when the concept of the field trip came up. Sprinted out, ran to there. They got to this university, got set up to go do this whole talk, and never, ever (laughs) brought up the concept of Chaz. He never needed to go back out there. The teacher was even surprised when Chaz arrived. Yeah, he was like, I didn't think you'd show up. There was no (laughs) reason. Like, you can get off being... You can get by the concept of Chaz not showing up once, but you can't get off the concept of Charlie being as terribly present as he is in the scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I uh, this is this was tough. This scene. This was this was a rough scene. This I think this was even more rough than the skeleton scene. I think this is the worst part of the movie. I agree. And I was I was so confused about it too. Like I think I I think I forced myself to rewind so I could write some notes and it was just a mess. It was a mess. Yeah. N- nothing redeemable about this scene. 
so is that, is that your uh, long laundry list of concerns about the scene that you want to talk about? Yeah, I, and I say, Donna, I don't want to talk about any of this. Okay, then we will definitely move on because I'm We're contractually on. obligated to. I'm on board with moving on as much as you are. Uh, so in the next scene, we go back to Charlie's dorm where Mike here is a completely different person. And he uh, says that he needs help with his classes because he wants a future like Charlie. So Charlie says he'll help Mike if Mike can help Charlie with Claire. Uh, I think we talked about earlier who was the best in this movie. I think Mike version two is the best person ever. Right, that's that. So yeah, this is the part that I was going to say. This is the only, this is one of, this is probably the only redeeming part of the movie. The Roger Rabbit is entertaining. Yeah. This is the only redeemable part of the movie. And it's also really the only realistic part of the movie. I mean, a college student realizes he might be in the wrong in life <laughs> after he makes a child genius cry and run out of the room. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think the actor did a great job because he was likable caring and at the same time this charismatic dude and i think it was just it was nice to see like a real person right can we discuss this actor real quick yeah let's do it main thing here is he's got an amazing name which is yannick bison oh so he's one of the canadian actors i'm gonna assume right uh, he stars on a show called Murdoch Mystery, which I feel like I've heard that. Yeah, it's kind of like which a lot of these guys have. Like the dad has been on a few episodes. The dean had been on a few episodes, and he stars. He plays Murdoch, and it has like two hundred something episodes. That's real solid. So I'm going to just throw this out there, and I think we need to do a podcast about at least one of these episodes in this TV show <laughs> at some point. We, we will go through all 200 and some episodes of, I don't even remember the name, Murder or Mur something. Murdo Murdoch Mysteries. Murdoch Mysteries. We'll do it. Our spin-off podcast. Yeah. Um, maybe not, but... <laughs> Who knows? We'll, we'll see. Also, don't think just do is Ethan's motto. Anyway. I, I like the uh, other quote from Mike that said, you think too much and you're dead. Which I think I need to adopt into my life a little bit more. I don't know. I don't know about that one. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Well, that's another discussion for another day. Uh, after that, we cut to an outdoor hockey rink where Chaz is playing some hockey when he sees some nerds just like him from before uh, sitting on the bench next to Claire. And here he's like, okay, nerd, you can go play some hockey, I guess. And Claire and him just smile at each other because he let the nerd play. All right. I think we need to track something here. Okay. Is this the biggest power move in any DCOM so far? Oh, man. It's up there with the guy buying every single dog from the dog store <laughs> for his, for the, uh, for the woman's child so that she would have to come to his house. <laughs> but while you think about it, 
I think he does another power move later on that I think might be a little bit better. But I don't know because ready, so he he goes out, he scores the goal. Yeah, he sees the nerdy squints kid on the <laughs> sideline, helps him out by subbing himself out to let him go play. Then he gets to sit next to uh, Claire, and not only has he impressed her with his hockey skill, which she is big on hockey, yeah, he shows her how nice he truly can be, and then he gets to hit, sit down and hang out with her for the rest of the time. Okay, I think you've convinced me. This is a pretty good power move. This is a big power move. <laughs> and then he's going to nail the Rob De Niro face. <laughs> he's got everything. Right. Um, he does pull some stuff with Claire later at the hockey rink that I think could be in contention, but there's also another thing that he definitely fails at and I want to talk about later. I think, but I think, I think there's something to track because this is, we're all about power moves here. Oh, yeah. And this is the biggest power move. I think so. I also uh, like to say, uh, say that I think getting game like with uh, like women is great to learn from decom i also want to point out here just real quick um the captions to this movie were really bad <laughs> the only point i noticed it was in the dance party scene in the lab it said rock music playing and it was most certainly electronic dance music yeah there was that one, that was the big one, and then there was this point where he says he's going for a hat trick, and the other guy says, unprecedented, which one is not true, <laughs> but then the caption says that he says, I'm praying for that too, <laughs> which is an even weirder option to say right there. <laughs> yep, yep, nothing, nothing I can help you there. Um. So after that power move, Claire then asks uh, if Chaz wants to go with her and her dad to the hockey game tomorrow. That is, Runs it's, in. it's the championship already, of course. Runs uh, in. But Chaz says that he has to go watch his sister, and by sister, he means a nun. Um, She's an invalid. She's an invalid. I had to look that word up. I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> Defi- I'm definitely not a genius. Um, after that, Claire and Chaz have a conversation about snow. And then Claire goes into a little bit, uh, well, she says that she saw what Chaz did for the nerd and that Chaz isn't so tough. And then she goes to talk about her mother a little bit, who was a figure skater and taught her. (laughs) Let me continue. (laughs) Her mom was a figure skater, taught her how to skate. She was a tomboy, of course, because her dad was a hockey coach and whatever. Uh, Here's the other contender for a power move. She goes on and she says that her mom was one of the most beautiful things she'd ever seen. And then Chaz goes, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And he goes for the kiss. I don't know if that's a power move, though. Because it, it, it all is set up to lead to that moment. You know, if he doesn't do all that stuff earlier on, he's not getting to this point. That's true. It is an alley-oop here, and he, he slams it down hard. Right. Yeah. Okay, I agree um, with you about the power yeah. move rankings. Uh... Yeah, I think that's all I have here. No, I, I skipped the scene. <laughs> um, I thought we were going to get a my mom was dead kind of thing here because we haven't seen um, Claire's mom in this movie. We just see the dad. 
so like she was going on this long monologue about how much she loved her mom and i'm like oh we're gonna get hit with uh my mom was dead is she not no she's not she's alive or at least we don't hear anything about it yeah well it's just a decom uh punch i expect to get every movie they're not that close yet uh, the kiss is interrupted by two random kids throwing snowballs, but that's it with the scene. Right, the director's children throwing snowballs at them. <laughs> I think you're right with that. <laughs> um, after that, we go back to the labs, uh, and Christine asks why he's not at the hockey game, and Charlie says it's because of the whole Chaz situation. Uh, Christine then leaves the labs, and we get a, for some reason, we get, like, I counted this, 30 seconds of Charlie just sitting in the lab doing nothing. Nothing happens. It doesn't lead to anything later. It's just him in the lab doing nothing. Well, what I was doing during this scene is that I got distracted by the concept of how I could make this movie better, and I think I cracked it. What Explain. if the doctor the entire time was just Roger Rabbit? <laughs> uh, does Bugs Bunny appear in this movie? You could. I think that'd make it even better. Can we just make this a sequel to um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Well, they're already doing that. Are they? Yeah, apparently. 2022? The only reason I found out is because I looked at his Wikipedia page. <laughs> and he's doing it. I mean, um, it is in the same uh, vibe, I feel, as like Space Jam. Well, so. you, don't have, you don't have like the best part of the movie. What's the best part? Uh, oh, jeez, what was his name? The detective. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so after that, the hockey game is about to start, and Mike comes down to the labs and thanks Charlie for uh, helping him with his class because he got his midterm uh, report card back, and then Mike gives him a hockey jersey from the team that has his name on it as a thanks. Mike is so likable, I gotta say it. Yeah. The second half of yeah, that's all. I just wanted to bring it up again because yeah. he's so much because like it's such a change from beginning of the movie, Mike. That it's nice. It's refreshing to see a character like this. I don't think we get much more of this, but we do a little bit. Yeah, I I guess it's it's the only thing I like about this. I want more, but yeah, we don't um, get enough. Yeah, we don't get it more. Yeah, we don't get enough. Um. Charlie here then brings up the Rumsen rack, and Mike's like, there's no way we can stop it. But Charlie's Rumsen! Like, Rumsen! And then Charlie's like, maybe I can help. And we learn that um, since the Rumsen rack is where Rumsen takes out the best player, the equipment manager of the uh, Northern Lights will wear Mike's jersey and take the big hit instead, instead of Mike taking the hit. It's an I amazing move. It's an amazing move. I do have two issues with this. Well, here's... So let me compliment this move. Only for the fact that this equipment manager looks almost identical to Mike. They're pretty similar. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly more goofy. And a little bit smaller. Yeah, and a little bit smaller. But they look identical to the fact that if they just saw the face, they might think it's Mike. <laughs> Those Canadian jeans. My issue with it is it just does, it's a very illegal move. 
Well, the whole rums and rack is an illegal move. Yeah, yeah, that too. It's an assault. You can't assault people. <laughs> and I, I'll talk about him later. It's an assault, number one. Uh, and you're right. Switching the jerseys is also illegal. My issue with it is, first off, as the game goes on, they'll figure out that Mike has changed his jersey, I feel, because he's the best player of the team, and you see that guy wearing a different jersey, you're going to notice that it's Mike. Right. Why is the concept of the rums and rack, why is, why is the person they go after already, why is the person they go after predetermined? Why, they do it with two minutes left in the game, four minutes left in the game, right? Yeah. Why do they wait until, why don't they wait until in the game they go, well, the second best player is scoring five, has already <laughs> scored five goals on us. So yeah. we better do it to the back, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, the whole rums and rack really doesn't make any sense, a sense especially when they wait that long to do it. Um. My only other thing was, uh, you brought it up, it was an illegal play on both sides, but yeah. Much worse on the rums inside. Still. Well, you gotta do the rums in, man. Rums in. Rums in. Uh, so after that conversation, the team leaves the locker room, and Mike kind of takes credit for it, but then he thanks Charlie on the way out for helping him, and that he owes him, I think. Um... So after that, the game begins, and Charlie is working down in the labs, but he's like, I can't take this anymore. So he decides to go up to the game for a couple minutes. But when he leaves, the alarm for the Graviton goes off, and Charlie doesn't notice. That'll come into play later. Uh, while he's up at the hockey game, Odie, one of his friends from high school, sees him, and he invites him to sit down with him. Um, so he does. And then Claire, who for some reason, is sitting on the bench with her dad during the game. I feel like that's an issue. Like, she's not only in the bench area, she's sitting on the bench next to the players where, like, she needs some sort of protection on her head. Yeah. <laughs> if she's even allowed there, which she's not. No, no. And, I th and she interrupts the game later, really. She interrupts a lot of things here. But also, I think it's important to note that they send out Odie. I don't, I never at one point wrote down his two friends' names. I looked it up. I looked it up. <laughs> Odie comes out of the hallway next to Charlie and just loudly ex exclaims, Yeah. And then starts walking and then goes, Chaz? Um, Charlie needed to avoid two people. Three, if you include Claire. Three, if you include Claire. And somehow, he failed so badly. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't he come out from the other side of the ring? Why didn't he, he uh, do anything other than what he did? He, I mean, he even took off his glasses. <laughs> I'm not going to defend it. There's no reason to. <laughs> Bad move by uh, Charlie here. Uh, but after Claire sees him, uh, he um, he tries to sneak back down to the labs. But this is where we see the rums and rack put into action. So <laughs> my biggest issue with the rums and rack is it starts by knocking down the ref. And they kind of try to help him back up. But the ref gets knocked down. 
uh, three players from opposite sides of the ice come and basically murder the guy in the middle of the rink, who in this case is the equipment manager, and it allows Mike to score. But I don't care about that. My issue with this is the rums and rack is known as this play that keeps happening all the time. Why do the refs not know about this and they keep getting knocked down? We see, because we'll see another game. This keeps happening where the ref gets knocked down and then magically another player is out. Also, why is there not another ref to see the rums and rack? There's three refs on the ice at all times. Um, right. You bring up a lot of good points about the concept of the rums and rack. I've got some questions about the execution of their defense of it. Because they have a few options where they can go. One, they have a gigantic guy. That like can a bear. Really, they have bear who can really just kind of barrel down one of the two people <laughs> doing the rum and Um And then the other problem is, do they have to keep the equipment manager out on the rink? the entire game like this play could happen at any point they see it happening very clearly like he tries to pull mike from the game when they're like oh they're lining up to do it yeah it takes long to set up it's the most fictional play ever i'm just like i was like oh oh they're lining up and it's (laughs) like like what's happening right now i also feel like uh, the equipment manager, if he wanted to, had more than enough time to dodge the rack coming at him. Because he, like, he looks, he sees it, he sees them setting up, and he just kind of braces for impact. Right. Like, the best player, like, there is no reason to put the equipment manager out there, because the best player is fast enough to just skate two feet <laughs> to the side. And yeah, the Rumson yeah. rack takes out two players from Rumson. <laughs> And then the ref throws out the guy that's been assaulting him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if they expected two guys who know even the slightest bit about hockey to uh, look at this movie. Well, I watched, slightly this, I watched this movie next to my dad, who has played hockey for all of his life. <laughs> How did he feel about that? He didn't like it. He wasn't a fan. He okay. Okay. Ho- he feels hockey is very dangerous. There's a lot of concussions involved. <laughs> he wasn't a fan of the rums and rack, and I don't know how you can be. Yeah. Let's con- let's continue. So, uh, since Charlie snuck down during this, the dean bumps into Charlie walking back to the labs, uh, where the place downstairs is basically exploding. Uh, but the dean decides to take Charlie to the bench where Claire is, and Claire's like, Dad. That's the kid I'm tutoring. Um, and then dad's like, that is not Chaz. That is most certainly Charlie, the boy genius who goes to this college. And then Claire connects the dots and um, is mad at Charlie because she thinks that Charlie thought it'd be funny to see if she was able to tutor this boy genius. Um, my issue with this is, why is Claire distracting the dad coaching when this is the game that will decide if Claire's dad has a job after. Right. And we're going to learn that she's going to get really upset at the concept of her dad not having a job. But she's been distracting him all game. I mean, there is two minutes left in this game. And Claire is constantly annoying her dad, who is trying his hardest to pretend to coach this game. 
while he points to everybody on the ice as if he's at a high school reunion, <laughs> seeing all the people that he knows. Sh- Claire doesn't make sense, all right? Yeah, yeah. She's one entity in this scene. That doesn't make sense. Charlie should not go with the Dean. No. Yeah, he I feel like he has the power. Yeah. He realizes Claire noticed him, goes to leave, and then gets coerced into getting closer to Claire. Yep, yep. Two, the Dean has brinkside seats. He just brings him to the bench. (laughs) Four, the Dean kind of looks like Anthony's Perkins. Don't know who that is. Uh, Psycho. Uh, that that Hitchcock movie? Yeah. Don't remember what he looks like, but I believe you. Well, did you ever see it? I know I saw it. Oh, yeah. It was in a film appreciation class. I didn't go look it out on my own. Yeah, I watched that, I watched that, uh, movie in high school. Yeah, it, I love film appreciation because it was, oh, you watch a movie, maybe we talk about it, and that's the class. Well, I'm a big fan of Anthony Perkins because his name is Anthony. Guy I'm not a big fan of Chaz Anthony <laughs> because he is a loser. A game recognizes game. Well, anyway, uh, Charlie says that he was a big fat liar to Claire, and then because of the particle accelerator being left on, the ice begins to break. Uh, kind of like I'm going to say, The Dark Knight Rises. And the game gets postponed, and now both the coach and Claire never want to see Charlie or Chaz ever again. There's Uh, two minutes left in the game. Yeah, there's two minutes left in the game. I think it was really funny that as the you could see the ice break into a bunch of pieces, that Charlie gets onto the ice and yells, get off the ice, get off the ice right now. Like, nobody was getting off the ice that was breaking into a million pieces. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> uh, after that scene, we then see Claire in his room, her room, and she gets a call from Charlie, but she hangs up. Uh, we then see Charlie packing up his high school stuff. He calls again. He's sat at the outdoor hockey rink, calls again. Uh, she doesn't pick up. And then he goes back to the high school, and he somehow hacks into the announcement system at the school. and. Uh, he apologizes to everybody, especially his friends. Uh, his friends come out of the school at the end of the day, but they're still not really sure about forgiving Charlie here. Yeah, his friends attempt to leave the school, and a group of people trespass on the school. Well, not a group of people. One singular, one singular guy trespasses on school property. While these students try and leave, he apologizes to the high school, to the junior high school. He does not at any point apologize to the college that he goes to. The only person that is remotely upset about the situation is Claire. And kind of Odie and Dion, but not really. Right, and they just kind of have to, because, (laughs) or else Claire would stop talking to them. Yeah. You, uh, you, uh, you bring up a good point. That's all I can say here. 
Uh, so after that, we go back to the lab uh, where Charlie is just casually talking about comics with Crickstein here. Uh, how is the particle accelerator not destroyed if it completely destroyed the ice upstairs? And when they're talking about comics, this gives Charlie an idea about how to defy gravity because of some comic book thing. And we get a sciencey scene with some, uh, I'm going to call them science balls. I don't know. Uh, it's flubber, but it's really with like these green balls that you get from like the supermarket that you put two quarters in and you turn the dial and then the ball pops up. Yeah, they're the super bouncy balls that are the glow-in-the-dark versions, basically. Okay. Uh, yeah, so they do that experiment thing, uh, and I don't know, they discover something here, and Crickstein's like, this will be great, because we can get a Nobel Peace Prize out of this, and Charlie's like, I don't care, this will be able, this is useful for um, Northern to help beat Rumson at the next hockey game. And then he leaves, again, after discovering another scientific breakthrough. Yeah, so Northern was up 1-0 with two minutes left. Why does he need to defy gravity for them to win? Because it seems like they're playing the whole game over again, which doesn't make sense, but... Even then! It seems like... We, we talked about all the ways to reverse the rums and rack. I feel like you don't need to defy gravity to do that. Gravity would not be on the top of my list. It would probably <laughs> be very far to the bottom. Near the impossible. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't matter. Uh, because he, uh, Charlie here goes to the outdoor hockey rink where everybody is there, including Claire. He tells everybody the plan. Claire's Why doesn't like, he go to the, the adults with his plan either? Because it's a decom. You got to get the kids involved. I don't know, man. Sure there's uh, a lot of cheating in decoms, isn't there? Yeah, and we're supposed to feel happy for them. Right. Like, they, they cheat to win this game. Spoiler yeah. <laughs> My favorite part about it is Charlie's like, oh, we're only going to use it to avoid the rums and rack. And then he doesn't do that. Nope. Nope. Um, so Claire's like, I really don't care about this plan. You've ruined my life, apparently. But as the whole group is leaving, Charlie's like, or... Claire calls Charlie Chaz, and Charlie's like, my name's not Chaz, it's Charlie Boyle. And then the uh, the fellas come over to his side, and then Claire joins here. Um, it's important to note here, to just use a bit of our prestigious film analysis ability. Okay. Claire stopped playing, stopped figure skating that, like, her mom taught her, and went back to playing hockey like her dad taught her. Because Charlie hurt her. Yeah? Yeah. Was it that deep? I, I That's the concept, man. Look, you I took mean, a film appreciation class. I don't know why you're sitting here and telling me that I'm not properly analysis, <laughs> properly deducting what's going on in this movie. Dude, I just appreciate the film. I'm not here to analyze them. Well, there you go. I'm here to analyze them. And I'm here to appreciate. It's the deepest part of this decom, <laughs> is that she goes back to playing hockey because she's been hurt. Well, so hockey sense. helps you take out anger. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that. So that was an better. easy tell, also. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after that, we go to the second version of this championship game, where everybody here is set up for the plan. 
including Claire, who says she's there under extreme protest. Uh, the plan starts when the bus comes, the Rumson bus comes, and Charlie sneaks into the underside of the bus and puts science dots onto the Rumson skate that we'll see put into play later. Yeah, no one closes their hockey bags. No, the skates are just out, and he knows which ones are going to be doing the Rumson rack. Yeah. Um, so after that, the game starts, and Charlie and I think Claire and Dion are under the rink in the science labs, and Charlie is revealing the plan here that because of some science reasons, the one half of the dots on the skates of the Rumson people match with the other half that is in the labs right now, and that will they will be able to control the skates from the labs. But before this plan can be put into action, uh, Crickstein, who wasn't supposed to be there, comes in and says that Charlie shouldn't be doing this because he kind of adjusted the lab uh, to fit his plan. But this really doesn't matter because Crickstein just kind of leaves the lab here and doesn't do yeah, anything else. Yeah, he's like, uh, you've been getting away with too much. You can't do this. And then walks out. That's really authoritative. Um, so the plan goes on anyway, way, and when these Rumson guys go to do the rack for the first time again, they knock down the ref again. I talked about this earlier. Uh, this should be same something ref. that, same, <laughs> same ref, this is something everybody should know about by now, but whatever. Um, they go to do the Rumson rack, and Charlie turns the dots on and makes the Rumsden player kick the referee, and this gives Northern a power play here. The second time they go for the Rumsden rack, Charlie and Claire are controlling two of the Rumsden players, and they make uh, the two Rumsden players miss Mike on the rack, and then they get him to do a bunch of things like dance with each other, I guess, a tango, they do some stuff. Uh, my little nitpick here is that the dots should only control the skates, I feel, instead of the hands and the rest of the body, but... That was uh, my exact problem. That's the only uh, note... That's one of two notes I have on this scene, and it's theoretically I have no control over the skater's body. Well, I'm glad we had the same thing here. But there's no rules here. There is zero rules in this movie. There's no rules in the hockey game, either. There's no rules in the hockey game, either. Um, I'm surprised the refs knew what a power play was. Uh, after that... Uh, dancing thing. Um, the Rumson guy gets out of the box on the power play, and Mike is up against the boards here, and that guy uh, from out of the box uh, starts to charge at Mike here, and everybody in the lab can't find the dot to control that Rumson player, but instead, Crickstein, who has found some roller skates with the dots, rolls into the labs and bumps into a hole in the labs, and makes the Rumson player miss and crash into the boards himself. But this crash into the boards gets Crickstein electrocuted, and this is when everybody starts to defy gravity and float up in the air. I think the important part to note here is that the game does not stop when people start to float. Nobody cares that people are floating. That's what I have. No, I don't like this movie. We're almost done. Can't you play off me a little bit here? <laughs> I'm, I'm pulling my weight. I'm putting everything I have into this last scene. No, I got problems here. Um, <laughs> but it's not about the anti-gravity. It's more about the rules of hockey. Uh, 
Who cares about the anti-gravity scene? Like I said, nothing makes sense. There are yeah. no rules. <laughs> Whatever. Mike is going to score the game-winning goal here. Yeah. And as these guys start to float up, he scores the goal, and then the time doesn't stop on the clock. I put that note down. I said, why is the clock still running after this goal? The clock stops after a goal. In no sport does a clock not stop after a goal. Actually, soccer. Soccer, yeah. Soccer, yeah. But soccer's it's, weird. Yeah. And we're not playing soccer. We're playing hockey. We're playing hockey. It seems like the guy who like wrote the hockey scenes or directed the hockey scenes in this movie watched maybe like two hockey games and said, Yeah, this makes sense. And I think the, I think the guy who directed the movie watched like two <laughs> movies and said, Hey, this makes sense. <laughs> and one was Flubber and one was like Slapshot. And the perfect combination. Goddess genius. Uh the movie's almost over here. Let's finish it up. Um so Mike scores that winning goal, wins the game for Rumson. Uh, Claire's dad gets to keep his job, and then uh, while uh, Charlie and Claire are floating up in the... Oh, there's more to this movie. I thought I was done after this one. Uh, Charlie and Claire kiss while they're floating. Real weird, but yeah. Uh, after that, we go back to the outdoor hockey rink. Charlie is picking teams that are about to play a game of hockey. Um, but before they can start playing, the Northern Lights come. And they're like, we're going to go slap the puck around. And Charlie's like, oh, I guess that means we have to get off the ice. But then Northern's like, no, we heard what you did. Uh, because Coach told us, because Claire told Coach about the whole defying gravity situation. And they're like, we want to play with you. So Charlie agrees. Um, and they just play hockey, laughing, and the movie ends. Thank God. That was a lot. That was a lot. You want to start ranking this? Please. Okay. I want to hear where you have yours first. You know what? Is there a question? I think there might. I think there's a little conversation. This is the worst movie we've done. Yeah? This is worse than you, Lucky Dog? Right. So, here's the thing. Well, I was watching this movie, I thought, is this movie worse than you, Lucky Dog? And I went, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, probably not. But then I sat there and I thought about it. <laughs> and you lucky dog, well, it's a movie based around a dog. So Genius is the last on my list. I put Genius in front of you lucky dog. And I think I just have this vendetta against Kirk Cameron. No, he sucks. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Kirk Cameron's the worst person we've had in a decom so far. No problem. But this is a terrible movie. <laughs> Growing Pains was still a good show. <laughs> this was still a terrible movie. I mean, it's such a backwards direction from Johnny Tsunami in yeah. every aspect of it. It goes back into that new lucky dog world of, are we even in the same universe as everything else? It, it is like, there is nothing about this movie that needs to be associated with DCOM. 
just like you like John. Yeah. I just the I don't... parents aren't there. The Johnny Tsunami's parents are so good. And <laughs> the dad has two scenes in this movie and the mom has a line off screen, you know? Yeah. It's a bad it's bad. I don't. I don't know if I can say it's worse than New Lucky Dog. There is I, a dog. I know there's a dog, but I don't think that moves the needle for me here. It's just New Lucky Dog. I don't think had any any redeemable moments. Did it? Yeah. 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 There's the little girl playing with the dog. That doesn't mean anything to me. There was the dog being a dog. It doesn't mean anything to me. Uncle Phil. Great, likable character. There was... <laughs> I named three things. I named the dog, the little girl playing with the dog, and Uncle Phil. I can tell you two redeeming parts about this movie. Mike and... Roger Rabbit. <laughs> Roger. I... Th- <sighs> I don't, you, I'm not trying to convince you. No, I know you're not. I'm, I was about to ask, like, can, can we just leave Genius on nine on my list? Yeah, go ahead. Do whatever you want. It's your <laughs> list. Where is it on your personal list? I think it's ninth also. I don't, I think it's, yeah, it's worse than uh, the 13th year, of course, but it is not better than You Lucky Dog. I no. thought You Lucky Dog was just boring. This, I, I don't know. It wasn't great at all, but it felt more like a decom kind of. I don't know. But it felt very in the. It felt very in that realm of like. This is very outside of the universe. I mean, they they potentially peaked <laughs> the movie before that, and then they hit close to rock bottom immediately <laughs> after that. We won't see any of these actors again. Yeah. You know. It wasn't, it, it was not, it just wasn't good. It's, it's definitely weird that this was what followed up Johnny Tsunami, but I, I think that the only thing that makes it more decon than you lucky dog is that the main focus is on a, a, kid. a kid, yeah, which I think is the only thing for me that's pushing it to ninth instead of tenth on my list. I, yeah, I see it. But yeah, I'm not so, trying to convince you either. Like, yeah. It could be either. There's no argument to. They're both terrible movies. You lucky dogs got a dog. I, I think that's think pushing. That's, think that's what's gonna do it for me. Okay, I think we can agree there. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say on Genius? No, I'm out of stuff. I thought it was a terror. I thought it was. It's important to highlight how much the dog pushes you lucky <laughs> dog ahead of this movie. Because this movie is really bad down there for me. Yeah, I thought we were going to make a turning point once Charlie stops being Chaz. And I think it's the, it's the scene with Mike where I thought the movie was going to improve. But we just get back to stupidity, I feel, right away. Right. And I don't think there's any more we can say on that. But you want to wrap it up? Wrap it up. Okay. So you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts through our Anchor FM link in the description. Uh, make sure you follow us on whichever podcast site you prefer in order to never miss an episode. And also, as Tony likes to say, rate us five stars, no Please. matter how you 
no matter how you feel about the podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at the unofficial or at unofficial decom for podcast updates and more. And then you can email us at unofficialdecom at gmail.com if you have any questions you want answered, thoughts, or you just want to hit any of us up. Um, new episodes every Thursday. And next week, join us when we talk about Don't look under the bed. I, I will not look under the bed. That's spooky, man. Oh, um, you have to you have to watch this movie at night. I always do. I just I'm just saying, in case you change it up, you have to watch this movie at night. Should I watch it with the lights off? Yes. Am I gonna cry? I hope. That'd be a good story for the podcast. Well, we're all about making stories here. Maybe I'll force myself to cry. I think I deserve it. Bye. Bye.